0: For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Good morning, those of you that are watching online or maybe you're listening to this on a podcast. Good afternoon, if you're listening in the afternoon. Uh, I'm glad that you guys are here. It's good to be here. Our... uh, This summer, we've got uh, coming to an end and we've got some things coming up that over this next week, uh, as you guys do probably in your families, a lot of things happening over these next few weeks. I talked to several students that were not as excited about this next week because of school, talked to several parents that were very excited about this next week because of school, a lot of things happening. And one of those things that happens kind of at the beginning of the year that's become a tradition for our church is the one event. And you think, man, what, what's the one event? The one event is basically an event for people that serve here at City Walk in any capacity. And so if you serve, you wave a sign, you, you wave outside, you serve in the children's ministry, you do something up here, you do something behind the scenes. If you're on our guest experience team, we do this event uh, just for you as a way to say thank you and also as a way to encourage you and prepare you for this next year and so it's coming up on August 27th uh, it's we have food we have babysitting so man even if the content is awful you're going to get a free t-shirt out of it in a few hours away from your kids so you could probably do like a date with your husband or wife you just call it a date going to the one event but we need you to sign up I said this to our uh, huddle earlier today if you are an extra large person and you don't want a small t-shirt you need to sign up because you got to put in your size of T-shirt, and we want to make sure that you get whatever you need. If you're small and you don't want an extra large T-shirt because it becomes a nightgown for you, and so make sure you sign up in the app. If maybe you're somebody that says, hey, I've kind of served or I've thought about serving or, man, I'm about to this fall, kind of our family's going to lean in and take some steps to get connected, you, you go ahead and sign up too. It's a great maybe first step for you to take. Uh, To join a team. And so one event, August 27th, sign up in the announcements in the app and uh, we're going to have a great day. Uh, It's something that I promise you do not want to miss. It's going to be a good time. This past week, if you were here last week, uh, my daughter right out here and we had two other people uh, along with my daughter uh, got baptized. That was obviously a fun thing. And so this for my, for my family and for my little girl, this past week was a bittersweet week. So it was, it was pretty cool. She was excited to get baptized, and man, that was, that was fun. But, but shortly after getting baptized, she realized that she was going to have to have her one-year checkup, or not her one-year, but her kind of yearly checkup at the doctor, and that sent her into uh, full drama mode. Uh, because for her, what that means is that she is going to get her finger pricked when she goes to the doctor. And my daughter is not brave Uh, my daughter is full of drama in fact to tell you how bad it is when it's time to go to the dentist we don't tell her we just drive there and she realizes that she's going to the dentist when we pull in the parking lot and so man that's just her. so last week was kind of a bittersweet week for her and so we like you if you're a parent Maybe you're watching online and you can relate with this, or if you're not a parent yet and you think you're going to be great at it and be better than all the rest of us, you won't be, Uh, but, but you can continue to think that. But here's what we did as people that are trying to be good parents. We did two things. The first thing we did was we tried to help kind of change Kate's perspective. Like, yeah, it stinks to get stabbed at the doctor's office. We get that but it's actually good for you. They test your blood. It's good for your health. And so we tried to give her like perspective on how this prick is, yeah, it's a little bit painful for a second, but there's benefits. This is good. You need to do this. But then when that didn't work, we went to plan B, which is what you went to as a parent, and we bribe her. We just straightforward, we bribe our kids. So what we do is, hey, Kate, if you can be brave, and if you can go there without basically embarrassing our whole family tree, uh, we will take you to Target and you will get something that you really like. And so, man, that, and that worked. She actually did a good job. She, she was brave and she went. And I, again, I know some of you people that aren't parents yet, you, you just like, ah, man, well, when we become parents... We'll be better than that. We won't have to bribe our kids. And we'll, you, you, you wait till you take your kid to the doctor's office and you'll realize that Target is your best friend and that the candy store is also your second best friend. But that's what we did. And, and we, we, like you, if you're a parent, you've done this. We have to help our kids, both Kate and then we have two older kids, understand that, you know what, you're going to go through things that are uncomfortable. You're going to go through hard things. You're going to go through struggles, and that's just part of life. And so if you're a parent or you're going to be a parent someday, that's one of the things that you do with your kids Just try to help them have a better perspective about hard things because every single one of them, as part of the maturing process, is going to face them. See, hard things are hard, but a lot of times they're not bad. In fact, there are many times gifts that benefit us much more than they hurt us. And no matter where you are as it relates to faith, you get that. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're somebody that's following Jesus. Maybe you're somebody that is kind of investigating faith. It really doesn't matter where you are as it relates to faith. You get this. Because you've had some things happen in your life over the years. You've gone through some, some struggles. You've faced some obstacles that they weren't comfortable. You wouldn't ask them on yourself. But now when you look back, you see how those things that you went through were really good for you. There was benefit to them. It was part of the maturing process in your life. You learned a lot of things. And so, again, you wouldn't like sign up to go through them again. But for you... You understand that, man, part of that process of maturing is going through hard things. And we've all experienced that. And this summer, over the past few weeks, we've been walking through a letter that a guy by the name of James wrote. He was Jesus' brother. And he wrote it to a group of people that understood what it was like to struggle. They understood what it was like to go through some hard times, to to be nervous about life and and have some anxiety because of some of the things going on. These people were people that were scattered throughout many different countries and areas because of persecution. And and as James is writing to these people, he's he's writing to them, and, and he's writing to them in the midst of their struggles, He's writing to them in the midst of the obstacles that they're facing. And and James, what he did is he wrote this letter, and if you've been with us at all this summer, you you understand this, is James, he he wrote because he wanted to encourage them, He, he wanted to help them grow and mature in their relationship with God, and he knew that the struggles were part of that process. And so if you were with us all the way back at the beginning of this letter, you you would remember that from the very beginning, he started the letter by not pretending that struggles didn't exist and not kind of pushing them under the rug. But he, he started by, in the very first few phrases, like addressing their trials and their struggles. But in the midst of addressing them, he called them to depend on God in the midst of them. In fact, he, he said it this way. He said, he said in James chapter 1, verse 5, he said, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, as you go through your trials, if, if any of you is man, not sure what to do, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Who gives to all generously. God doesn't doesn't give to, you know, like a little bit, or He doesn't give like, hey, if I give you a little bit, you're gonna owe me. He gives generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. James, from the very beginning of his letter, he says, Yeah, you're facing trials. You're, You're facing obstacles. You're facing things that, man, if you could change them tomorrow, you would. But in the midst of life and in the midst of that maturing process and going through those things, he says, the good thing to do, the best thing to do, the most helpful and needed thing to do is to turn to God and depend on Him. And not to depend on Him as as an option. In fact, if if we were to continue on in James chapter 1, he says, when he says, hey, if you need wisdom, ask God. He says, you need to ask God without wavering. So, so he didn't call him to like, hey, I want you to make God one of the options. And, and you know what? As you're going through trials, just always know that this pool of wisdom is available to you from God, but you also have seven other options. No, he says, no, 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 no. I want you to lean all the way into God. I want you to depend on God deeply. And if you do, he'll give you wisdom generously, ungrudgingly. He will help you walk through those trials. He will bring maturity in your life as you walk through those trials. And so that's how James started his letter. And so now we're at the very end of the letter. I mean, he's about to sign off and put this thing. I don't know how they mailed it, but he's about to send this letter off. And he comes back to the same theme that he started with he comes back to this idea of depending on God. He says this in James chapter five, he says this, therefore, so whenever there's a therefore, I was always taught, you ask what it's there for. So he's saying, based on what I just said, and what he's just said is that he's just talked to them about how many of them have been hurt because of people that have done them wrong, as far as it's related to business and, and, and people that haven't treated them well. He, he's talked to some of them about how they are making plans and they're not including God. He's, he's, that's what he's just said. And then he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. He's basically saying, based on what I just said, as I've talked about you going through hard times, as I've talked about how you are you know, not bringing God into the mix as it relates to your business and some of your planning. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient. And this word patient, you, you know what this word means, but he's specifically talking about patience with people. Be patient, be long-tempered until the Lord's coming. As as James is writing to these people, these people have a healthy understanding that Jesus Christ, he left earth, but he's coming back. They knew that. It was on their minds. And then he says this. He says, as he's talking about being patient, he, he talks about something that they're all very familiar with farming. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. He says, you, you know, the farmer, I'm talking about patience. Well, you, you know how the farmer, he, he has this, he, the, this early rain that happens in about October and November and it softens the ground and it allows him to plant. And then there's a latter rain, a late rain that happens later in the spring, right before the harvest. Well, in between those two reigns, a farmer has to be patient. He's planted a seed. He's done the work. And now he has to be patient as he waits for the fruit of his labor. And, And as James is writing to people that are going through hard times, people that are facing struggles, people that are being persecuted. He says, I want you to be patient. He says it this way. You must also be patient strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. He says, just like that farmer is patient and after he's put in all that work, he's able to have peace and he's able to wait because he knows something good is coming at harvest. He says, you need to be patient. I I know you're going through tough times. I know you're you're struggling. I know you're facing persecution. I know some of you have been treated badly by your employers. I know know all those things. I'm not downplaying any of of it. But in the midst of all that, I want to encourage you to like that farmer, be patient. And here's how you can be patient. Because man, be patient, like for what? What? Like, just forever be patient. It's hard to be patient when there's not something to be patient for. And he says, be patient because Jesus is coming back. As we think about future events, the the next thing, I think we have a chart. The next thing that is kind of in the future events calendar, which this chart might might be hard to read. But basically, here's where we are in this, this. If you're like a future events geek, this probably you'd love this chart. But but here's where we're at, right here. We're, Jesus died on the cross. He went back to heaven. This right here is called the church age. So this is like the last 2,000 years when the church started in Acts, and now it's continuing to grow and thrive throughout the world. And so we're, we're right here, and we, we believe we're getting towards the end of the, the, the church age. And, and the people back then, they thought, man, that, that they were at the end of it. And the very next thing kind of in the future events calendar is the day when the trumpets will blast. And Paul tells us in Thessalonians that the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. The rapture where people that are followers of Jesus will be raptured taken to heaven. The word rapture means to be caught up. And what James is saying here, he's saying, you know what, I get it. And if there was nothing at the end of the the line that, that was worth anything, it'd be really hard to be patient. But as you're going through those struggles, remember that Jesus is coming back soon and it will be worth it all. It will be better than you could ever imagine. So continue to be faithful like the farmer. Be patient. Be patient. And this is one of those things that, man, 2,000 years after James wrote this, We're we're probably not going through the same struggles that the people that he was writing to were going through. But every single one of us, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, has faced trials, has faced temptations, has faced tough times. And in the midst of those tough times, what James is saying is, hey, continue to be patient, continue to be faithful because something good is coming. It'll be worth it. Continue. And then he goes on and he says this. He says in verse 9, Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. He's basically saying, Hey, in light of the fact that Jesus is literally standing at the door, that he could come back at any moment. And in light of the fact that Jesus is coming, I want you to be careful not to get into to little issues and, and, and uh, these little fights and these disputes. And he's talked about them earlier in his letter. And, And here's what I know about me and probably the same true about you and the same true about these people is impatience with God often leads to impatience with people. So when you're going through something just like these people were, and maybe you're a little bit impatient with God, which is man, legit. We've all, had, we've all felt that way. And God, I don't know why, you're going, why I'm going through this. God, when is this going to end? And, and man, God, uh, you, you, I feel like you're kind of letting me down. And, and we've all felt those things, whether we've said them out loud. And it's in those moments that it's very easy as we're impatient with God to become impatient with people and to treat people in an unloving way. And James is saying, I get it. I get it. You're going through struggles. I get it. There's challenges. But in the midst of those challenges, continue to treat each other well. Because again, Jesus is coming back. And don't allow your, your antsiness and kind of your impatience with God. Why are, you, why are you doing this? To cause you to treat your kids or your coworkers or your friends in a way that doesn't please God. See, James, he understands the difficulties. He doesn't downplay the suffering, but he, in the midst of those, the suffering and, and what they're going through, he tries to just give them and just speak right into it. He, he's not trying to beat around the bush or make it feel better than it really is. He's saying, no, this is rough. But Jesus is coming back, and so be be patient like a farmer, and in the midst of this tough times, be careful how you treat each other. And then what he does is he he does what helps a lot of us in in circumstances that are tough. He points to an example. And you know this, if you've ever gone through a tough time, if you can point to an example of someone that's gone through the same thing as you and has had victory, it helps. We've all experienced that. And so that's what James, he knows these people, he loves these people, and so he, he does that. He, he just points to, hey, let me, let me share some examples with you of people you would know that have also gone through some tough times and have been okay. He says this, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. That all those prophets that, that these people have heard about maybe all their life. They have even some of the scriptures that these people have written. Some of the Old Testament prophets. A lot of them, to you, if you're a follower of Jesus. Or if you're somebody that's cracked open the Old Testament. They're just a book in the Bible. Nahum. Hosea. Jeremiah. And it's like, well, it's, a, it's kind of a book in the Bible. Malachi. But a lot of these people... Man, they, they had some rough goes. Like being a prophet for God wasn't super popular. And so what James is saying, hey, you, you know those guys. You, you've read about them. You, you have their writings. You know their story. You know how they suffered. You know how some of them were even killed. Well, remember them. They, they struggled, but they had victory. Remember them. And then he says something. He, he points to a guy by the name of Job. He says, man, Job's like the drop the mic guy, like next level suffering, like, all right, the prophets, they were like JV sufferers. Well, let me like tell you the, the example of the greatest. He says, remember Job? You've heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. I mean, Job, if, you, if you've read the Bible and you wondered why there was a book in the Bible called Job, and maybe you've even called it Job. It's actually called Job and it's a guy, it's a real guy. And Job was a guy that was extremely wealthy. He was a guy that was extremely successful and known to be successful. And he went through a season of his life that you would not wish on your greatest enemy. He lost his children, he lost his riches, he he lost basically everything but his wife which probably tells you something about his wife. I mean, he lost everything, but God left his wife there. And so he lost it all. And and, and he even, he wasn't one of these guys that's like, wow, I lost everything, but I'm still warm and fuzzy for you, God. No, he's like, God, I don't understand. I, I have faith in you, but I don't totally understand this. And he had questions for God. And, and, and the, the book of Job is a lot of those questions and a lot of the things that his friends were telling him. Hey, Job, what did you do wrong to deserve all this, man? You must have really messed up to make God this mad. And so Job went through, through some tough suffering. And James is like, you remember your boy Job? Remember all that he lost? But in the end, God was compassionate and merciful. And in the end, he ended up with way more than he started with. And so James is, is saying, instead of just telling him, hey, be patient. He says, let, let me put kind of skin on this and give you some examples. See, we need this. I I think about my, my city group. We, we have a city group that meets on Wednesday nights. We meet over in the fellowship hall. And, uh, Shameless plug, we've had some of the best food at our city group the last two weeks. So if you're looking for a group, we have a great group. And if, even if the company's bad, the food has been awesome. People bring in some like, every now and then it's like chips and salsa. The last few weeks, man, it's been like feast in the group. So, but but here's, what, here's what happens to me on a regular basis in our small group. And I, I co-lead it, so I'm not in charge of it all the time. I, I'm, I'm just part of it a lot of times. But on a regular basis, I leave my small group encouraged because of the faithfulness of God in other people's lives. I hear stories. I hear people sharing about things that they've gone through or things that they've prayed for and just the way that God's worked. And, and it's not all clean and it's not all like it's all tied up in a bow, all fixed. But, but God uses those examples, at least for me, to encourage me in my faith. And that's what James was doing. He says, hey, remember, remember these people. And then, then he goes on and kind of to, to close the section, he says, he says this, he says, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth with any other oath, but let your yes mean yes and your no mean no so that you won't fall under judgment. James is basically saying, he's saying, you know what, I get it. I get it, you're going through tough times. I get it, you're being persecuted. I get it, you're not being treated fairly. But in the midst of all that's going on to you, don't lose your integrity. Don't, don't, don't make excuses. When you say yes, mean yes. When you say no, mean no. Continue to have your integrity even if you're treated badly. Even if it's not going well, you're persecuted. Let your word be your word and be strong and have integrity. And James, as he's writing, he's just practical. Because think about it. When you're going through a tough time, if you're ever looking for an excuse to like, well, this is bad in my life, so I'm just going to kind of go off the rails in this area. James is saying, don't. Don't go off the rails how you treat people. Don't go off the rails in your integrity. Even though you're going through a tough time, continue to treat people well. Continue to have integrity. Continue to depend and lean into God. And then he closes his letter and after he's, he's talked about Jesus coming back, after he's talked to them about being patient. He says, Hey, while you wait, while, you, while you're being patient, make sure you're taking advantage of the greatest power available in the midst of your tough times. And that's prayer. He says this He says, Is any among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is any among you sick? This word sick, there's different people think different things of this word, but basically it it probably means like spiritually sick, spiritually down. And this could could lead to physical sickness, but he's saying, is, is anybody spiritually unhealthy or sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So, so are you, you going through a hard time? Pray, are you, you spiritually down? Is there, there are tough times in your life right now? Man, call people who are spiritually mature around you and have them pray for you and anoint you with oil. And, and this anoint with oil thing's kind of like, what in the world is that? That's like freaky, What like people breaking out oil, we breaking out snakes too, like what's all this about? Basically, what he's saying here is anointing with oil could have been a couple things. One, it was like a refreshment. It, it it refreshed someone. And so it was something that was a refreshing thing, or it literally could have been some of these people have been gone, going through persecution. It could have been like medicine for their wounds on them. That they they've been persecuted. And so he says, Hey, if you're going through a tough time, don't go by yourself pray. Call people around you that love you and are spiritually minded. Allow them to come around you and pray for you and refresh you and encourage you. Don't do it alone. And and then he goes on and he says this, the prayer of faith will save the sick. The the spiritually weary person will, will be helped by prayer. And the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So in the midst of calling people around you when you're spiritually struggling or weary, man, if there's sin involved, the the assumption is that you would bring that into the light and you would take care of that and that you would allow people to refresh you and encourage you and pray for you. And then he says this in verse 16. He says again, therefore, based on what I've just said, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful. James wants to make clear that people that are combating spiritual weakness that part of the answer to that spiritual weakness is transparency and prayer. It's it's letting letting someone into your life, obviously God, where you, if there's sin, you're confessing it, but, but letting people into your life, letting people help carry your burdens, letting people understand what you're going through. It's hard to pray for someone intelligently if you don't really know what they're going through. And so he says, man, I want, I want you to man confess your faults to one another. I want you to pray for one another so that you may be healed. And, and so if we're you know, doing math right here, if, if we don't do these things, then we're probably not going to be healed. We're not going to go from spiritually weary to spiritually vibrant if we don't do these things. And some of you, you understand this. Because maybe there's been some times in your life where there's been some things that, man, nobody knew about, some struggles. And for whatever reason, you felt that you didn't want to share it with anybody. And, and, and because of that, you, you carried a burden and you just had to, man, like, drudge through life. And it's just hard. But but then you've probably also experienced where you just, and it's not like, hey, let's announce it on the mountaintops, but where you let some, some people that are spiritually mature into your life, some people that love you, and, and you're honest with them about what you're going through, and you allow them to really pray for you, that stuff starts to happen. I, I know there's a few guys in my life that we, we've just kind of made a, a pack with each other that Man, if there's ever a time that we're struggling in the area of purity or lust, that all we have to do is just send a text to the other two guys and, and just say, pray for me. And then the, we'll know exactly what the person means. And we'll just pray for them. We'll know why we're praying for them. We'll know what it's about. And it's, yeah, it's sometimes it, it might be a little bit humbling to send that text. But the discussion that we've had as a group is, hey, rather send that text than the I, blow it, I blew it text. Rather send the, hey, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit today. Would you pray for me? I'm, I'm just not doing well with my thought life. Then, hey, man, I blew it. And having that conversation. And we've all had to have that conversation. And it's this idea of letting people into your world and, and confessing faults. And it's this idea that, that we're admitting, man, we're not perfect people. The only perfect person was Jesus. And if we had it all together, then he could have just stayed in heaven. But he came down here for a reason, because we're not perfect, because we need help. And so James, his own brother, says, hey, confess your faults to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed, because prayer is powerful. And James says, let me give you one more example an example that you would remember, you would know about this as, as a Jewish follower of Jesus. He says this, he says verse 17, Elijah was a human being as we are. So basically he's saying, hey, Elijah, you've read about him, you've heard stories about him. He wasn't a superhero. He was a normal dude. He, he faced trials, he faced struggles. He's been where you're, you are. He's just a normal guy. Elijah was a human being as we are, and he says this, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain for three years and six months, and it did not rain on the land. So Elijah was a prophet. The nation of Israel had turned their back on God and begun to worship idols. And so Elijah prayed that the rain would not come. Rain was pretty important to a farming community. And after Elijah prayed, it did not rain a drop for three and a half years. And then it says this. After three and a half years, it says he prayed again. And the sky gave rain and the land produced its fruit. And what James wants us to understand is that prayer is not for superheroes. It's for normal people. And do I understand prayer all the way? No, and neither do you. I don't understand how God works completely, but here's what I know. God tells us to pray. God seems to act when we pray, and and one of the reasons is when we pray, it's an act of dependence on God. Elijah prayed to God, that like, could he make it not rain? Of course not. He, he prayed to the only one that could do that. And God stopped the rain for three and a half years. And then he went back up on a mountain three and a half years later and he began to pray. And what he did, and, and he, he continued to pray and he continued to pray. He sent his servant up to look to see if there was any clouds in the sky. And the servant came back. Dang, dude, you need to pray a little harder because I don't even see a cloud in the sky. He did that seven times. And after the seventh time, the guy came back, and I don't know if by then he was just like, I'm going to tell him there's a cloud no matter what, because I'm done running up here to find a cloud. But a cloud, show, a cloud showed up, and the rain came. And James wants us to know that, man, the prayers of a righteous person and, and righteous being just a follower of Jesus are powerful. So when you or I don't let people into our life enough to really pray for us... Man, we're we're forfeiting a lot of power in our life. And James wanted his readers to know that he closes and he reminds them of the power of their community in the last few phrases of his letter. He says this, My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. James says, when you're in that community and you, you begin to see somebody start to veer and start to go down the wrong path, when you lovingly and courageously get in their way and confront them about that out of love for them and they turn, you're saving them from devastation and in some cases you're literally saving their life because of what they're doing would kill them. And again, James points to this, the power of this community, the power of transparency, the power of letting other people into your life, being part of keeping you alive. And how important this is, because James understood these people were facing persecution. They were going through tough times. And to go through it alone, without a community, to go through it without depending on God would be futile. Like the people in James, you know, this is written 2,000 years ago. But, But just like the people that James was writing to, every one of us, if we had time, we could go through the room. We could talk to the people watching online. Every single one of us faces trials. Every single one of us faces challenges in our life. And it's in those moments that we have to make a decision the same way these people had to make a decision. And this is a decision that's not a one-time decision. It's a a daily, sometimes hourly decision. And it's simply this. It it leads me to this question. Where do you go when things hit the fan? Like when you're going through trials, when you're facing tough times, just like these people, they they had to make a decision. Where are they going to go? What's the source that they're going to go to when tough times happen? And, and we have to ask ourselves the same question. Uh, maybe a better way to say it is this, who do you depend on? Who do you depend on? Maybe you, as you think about it, if you're honest, you say, man, I kind of depend on myself. I mean, that's, that's a legitimate you know, a lot of people, That's when, when tough times come, challenges come, it's, hey, my, I, I kind of lean into my abilities, I lean into to my power, I lean into my bank account, I lean into, you know, myself. And maybe that's your, your testimony. If you're honest, you'd say, I kind of lean into myself. The only thing about this is, man, this is exhausting. And when things don't work out, where do you go Next. It, it, it leads to a, la- a lack of clarity and exhaustion because, man, it, it doesn't work. My Enough money's not going to fix it. Enough of this doesn't always make it right. And so, man, what do I do? Some of us, we depend on others. And again, it's not bad to depend on others, but to make others the ultimate person you depend on. And if that's you, you've probably faced some discouragement over the years. You felt let down because others aren't Jesus. Others are people, they're human, they fail, make mistakes. And so if, if you have found yourself like, man, when I go through tough times, when I'm facing challenges, like I lean all my weight into other people to make it better, then you've probably felt some discouragement. You've probably felt some letdown. And then the obvious third one is God. We, we have the option of depending on God. And God's not one of those people. He's not like strong arming us like, nope, uh, that's terrible. That's a terrible idea. That's terrible. And I'm going to drag you here. That's not the way God works. But, but if we're going to depend on God, it's going to be characterized by a few things that James talked about. So, so if you're sitting there thinking, you know what? I, I, I know this is, I'm in church, so I know this is probably the right answer, not always the easiest answer, but, but what does this even look like? What is, depending on God in the midst of the struggles that I'm facing right now, or the challenges that maybe you're about to go through, what does that really look like? What's that characterized by? And James, he's kind of already told us it's characterized by, by number one, patience. And, and patience leads to hope because of what is coming for us. So when, when I'm facing... A trial, when I'm facing a challenge, no matter how tough it gets. And I know, I know the story of some of you. I know right now you're going through some tough times. You're barely keeping your head above water. And it's in the midst of this that dependence on God looks like being patient, knowing that no matter how this turns out, Jesus is coming and heaven is waiting for all of eternity. And that doesn't make the trial go away. That doesn't make the challenge better. It might get worse. But it gives hope that cannot be taken away. Uh, Another thing that kind of characterizes this God dependence that James talked about is humility. It's, It's humility that leads to community where we let people into our world. We walk with people. We allow people to walk with us. God puts people into our life. He doesn't make us walk with them, but he puts people into our life and we have the opportunity to walk with them, to let them in. But it takes humility. That's part of being dependent on God, not not saying, oh, I can do it all myself and I got to make sure everybody thinks I got it all together all the time. And then prayer. Prayer is part of what dependence on God looks like. And, and it leads to power, power in our life. See, God, our, our good father, he responds in powerful ways to the cries of his people. And so if, if man, if you're going through a tough time, just like his, the people James was writing to, man, looking at God and saying, God, I am dependent on you in the midst of this, looks like you saying, you know what, I'm going to be patient because I know Jesus is coming. I know in the end, it's gonna get better. It, it, leads, it should lead us to humility and not closing ourselves off until things get fixed and then we'll get back into community, but when things are tough, we should lean into community more. And then prayer. If we're, if we're not praying, we are leaving the most powerful thing available to us and to, for our family and for us individually, we're just leaving it on the table it's like and I had the cheat code. It's probably a bad way to say it, but man, you didn't have to use the cheat code in contra when you were a kid. And if you're like my age, you understand it. You didn't have to up, up, down, down, right, left, but you got a bunch of men if you did it. So you don't have to do that, but man, you're, you're forfeiting a lot, a lot, a lot of fun and a lot of free men in that game. Well, if you don't have to pray, you can pretend that you have it all together. You don't have to take advantage of community. You can pretend that, man, I got it all. But you're you're forfeiting a lot of power. You're forfeiting a lot of God working in your life because that's what he works through and which leads us back to this question. Who do you depend on? Who do you depend on? Yeah, we will face ups and downs. They'll discourage us. They have the potential to distract us, but they also can mature us. But it comes down to who do we depend on. See, James, and I'll close with this. The guy that wrote this lived this. James, the guy that wrote this letter for a long time, as a growing up with Jesus as his brother, man, he did not buy it. He didn't buy his message. He didn't buy his miracles. He he didn't buy it. He rejected it. He thought his brother was on crack. He was like, no. And it wasn't until he saw his brother die on a cross. And a few days later, he met his brother. His brother rose from the dead. His brother talked to him. And it was in that moment that James became a passionate follower of Jesus that put his trust and dependence in God. And he he was the pastor of the Church of Jerusalem. And tradition tells us that in about AD 62, just like Jesus, he was not super popular with the religious leaders and they wanted him dead. And so it says that they tradition tells us that they threw him down from the temple and they beat him to the point where he died And as he was dying, like his brother, he prayed for the people that were killing him. Why? How could he do that? Because he was dependent on something outside of himself. And and he, in the midst of even that tragedy, in the midst of being treated that way, he wanted that for the people that were doing it to him. Which leads us back to this question. Who do you depend on? Who are you leaning into in the midst of suffering, challenges, obstacles? Are you getting distracted? Are you blaming other people? Or are you leaning into God and allowing God to use those things that he sovereignly allowed into your life to mature you and become more like his son? Because that's what he wants. But the question for us is, what do we want And what are we going to do about it? Because he won't make us, but he gives us the greatest opportunity to, in the midst of tough times, have victory. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you for this letter from your brother. Lord, I thank you for James and his just straightforwardness. And God, we every single one of us, as we've talked about really all summer, we face trials, we face temptations, we face struggles. And our world tells us to look everywhere but to you in the midst of those things. And God, I pray that whether we're watching online or we're here this morning, that we would just draw a line in the sand this morning. And that we would say, from this day forward, I'm not going to be able to do this perfectly, and I'm going to need Jesus to even help me do this. But I'm going to lean into Jesus. I'm going to lean into dependence on God. And that might mean for you that it's, man, it's time to start praying again. Maybe for you, it's, man, it's just adding patience back in and really asking God to help you to and see maybe above the fray of the trial that you're going to through to what's coming maybe it's letting some people into your life so that they can pray for you so that they can walk with you with every head bowed and every eye closed whether you're watching online or you're here what does it look like for you Like we can walk out of here and we can say, well, that was a great study in the book of James. And oh, that idea of god dependence seems good. Or we can do something tangibly that's going to change our life. And so what what tangibly do you need to do? Like I said, for some, it's, man, it's, you got to let some people in. Not not into the fake you, not into the poser version of you, but into the real you. They got to know your struggles. They got to know. And and what's neat is, man, they'll they'll be glad to share theirs with you because we need each other. And maybe for you, that's a step. Maybe for you, it's, man, beginning to pray. You've you've left that tool on the table for years. And, And God's saying, man, just pray. Tell me what you're going through. I don't know what it is for you, but man, would you be willing to say today, I'm I'm no longer going to depend on others. I'm no longer going to depend on myself. I'm going to lean first into God dependence. Maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus. And and you'd say, Chris, man, I I haven't really bought into, I'm kind of like James used to be. I don't really buy into all that stuff but, but I, I feel like, man, I'm at a spot where I'm, I'm ready to maybe take a step. What, what step would I take? Well, honestly, the, the first best step for you is to start a relationship with God. That's the first way you can show that you're dependent on him. You say, Chris, how would I do that? First thing you would do is you'd have to just admit to God that you need him, that you've sinned, that you've disobeyed him second you you believe that jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave and and that he did that for you and then you just ask god come into my life save me i want a relationship with you i need you you can do that quietly in your heart you can do that at your house you can do that wherever but that's a step and if we can be a help to you Let us know by filling out one of those decision cards. Let us know by filling out one of those prayer request cards. Because we want to be a help to you on your journey to walk with Jesus. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you spoke to us. Thank you for how you spoke to me. God, I pray that we would have the courage to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen.